Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we spark leaders in transition who are unclear, go from fear to fired up about their life and business. And if you wish to talk more in depth about coaching, heart and mind fitness, brainstorming for your business, podcasting, and or veteran resources, connect with me, Shay, today at the Calendly link in the show notes on your podcast platform. Today, our guest is the amazing Kent Sanders. So welcome to the show, Kent. Thanks, Shay. You are too kind. And I love the amazing description. I, I don't oftentimes think of myself as amazing. Most people mm-hmm. don't. So it's nice, it's nice to have that affirmation that somebody out there in the world thinks that we're amazing. Well, you are amazing. And I am so honored and blessed to have you a part of my circle, a part of my community, a part of my my world. And I think we just met in person for the first time in podcast movement. Is that where we met? That is correct. And then we saw each other a couple of weeks ago at a a different event, a business uh, mastermind retreat type of a deal. But yeah, I I love it every time I get to see you in person because you're so full of energy mm. and so full of encouragement and smiles. And you're just the kind of person who, like when you walk up, when you walk into a room, the the happiness and the energy level like goes up 10 degrees. Wow. Wow. So I, I think that's really cool. Wow. Well, I'm honored. Thank you. And I have to say, I am with the, the mastermind you're talking or the, um, other business thing we're talking about is total life freedom. And we've been a mm-hmm. part of that for several years, I think together. And yeah. so it's always a joy to finally meet someone, not only in person that we've talked over zoom before, but also sometimes we just kind of lurk in the, in the background and don't really, true. don't really show up, which is what I was doing for a long time. So I'm yeah. so, so glad. And, and your energy is also um, spectacular. It, it enters the room before you do. So thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks. Yes. Yes. So thank you. And before further ado, um, for those of you who don't know, Kent Sanders is the founder of Ink Well Ghostwriting, which helps leaders grow their business through books and other content. He is also the author of The Artist Suitcase, 26 Essentials for the Creative Journey and co-author of Performance Driven Giving, The Roadmap to Unleashing the Power of Generosity in Your Life with David Hancock and Bobby Kipper. In in addition to writing books for himself and his clients, Ken loves to help other writers. So if you're thinking about writing, he might be the person to reach out to. He is the host of the Daily Writer Podcast, which helps writers cultivate the habits of creative success and the founder of the Daily Writer Membership Community. You can find out more on his websites at kentsanders.net and dailywriterlife.com. So Kent, we've had all these amazing pleasantries, but I really want to know, gonna dive in and get the to the nitty gritty of the nitty gritty, nitty gritty. Getting to that's, the truth. That's such a fun phrase. We don't say enough. It is, <laughs> it it is. right? Like the nitty gritty. Yes. Uh, get to the the heart of the matter. Yes, of who you are. So I always start off with the first question: of What does investing in people mean to you? That's a really good question. I've never actually had anybody ask me that before. I would say for for me, it really goes back to a fundamental assumption that I have about life. And I think all of us have kind of these fundamental 
things that we think about and these fundamental principles that kind of drive us. I don't think we all go around thinking this principle is driving me today, but we all have these things that are so ingrained within us as people that they really determine everything that we do. For me, one of those fundamental assumptions about life is that you should leave the world better than you found it. Mm. When you leave this world and all of us are going to leave this world someday in, in our physical form, I think we should leave something behind. And that's why I think investing in people is so important. I mean, people are really the only thing that we can invest in. I mean, everything's going to be destroyed at some point. The earth changes. The earth is going to burn up in 6 million years or or whatever may happen in the future. But people are really the only thing that you can invest in. So why not put energy into that and and help people overcome challenges and, and be encouraged and know that somebody believes in them. I just, I feel like that's kind of just like a fundamental impulse that we all should have. Mm, I love that. And I, I love that you said the leave them better than when you found them. And I just, you are a walking example of that all the time, just by knowing you and, and just, I'm just imagining that that's how you are when you're teaching others to write because you are really crafting their story so that the world is a better place because of their story. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I really do honestly believe that I, I go throughout life and I'm not saying I do this perfect because I definitely don't. We all have our our off days and bad days and, and everything, but, but basically I go through life assuming that every person that I talk to, every person I encounter has something to teach me. There's something I can learn from them everybody has something of value to share with the world. We all have value in different ways. Some people, they have, some people have more money than time. Some people have more time than money. Some people have creative gifts. Some people have teaching and knowledge and wisdom. Some people make things with their hands. Everybody has different things to share with the world, but I, I just kind of assume everybody has something of value to share with others, no matter who they are. Even if it's a homeless person on the street, that person has a story and they have, things that they've been through that if we take the time to get to know them a bit, we can take something of value away from that encounter whenever those kinds of things happen. So for me, I just like kind of going through life that way. Uh, my mom taught me to be basically a, a glass half full kind of a person, see the positive in every situation. And that's just kind of how I'm wired. So yeah, I, I love people, even though I'm an introvert, I don't love people all the time, but I love people <laughs> when I'm just sort of kidding. But uh, yeah, I do have a limited people energy during the week, as all of us probably do. But yeah, that's just sort of how I look at the world. Well, you can look at people, I mean, be a part of people from afar, right? And you can- And then you, you have know, to go away and be alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can be like, oh yeah, that's great. Observe. And the obser- observation. <laughs> I need a nap. Yeah. Yeah. So I love what you said, how you- basically grew up because of your mom. Did she speak into you to be a writer? Did she speak into you to be the catalyst to help other people share their story? Or was it uh, someone else and you were on a, a different path as a, as a young kid, as young Kent tra- bouncing around? Yeah, bouncing around. That, that's a good question. It, it's funny because when you hear people talk about, I always wanted to be a XYZ thing as a kid. Sometimes you kind of roll your eyes at that because it seems like something that would be part of a corny TV show. But for me, that really was the case. Ever since I was was literally like a junior high kid, I loved to write. And there was there was a fundamental moment when I was, I don't remember what grade I was in, but I was in, it was in middle school. And I had the same English teacher in sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. Same teacher all three years. I don't think it works like that anymore, probably. But <laughs> back in my day, that was 
that was how it worked. And I remember one time I had written something, some kind of essay for a class or, or, or a report or something. And I remember her telling me that she wanted me to dedicate my first book to her. Mm. This was like as, as a middle schooler. I mean, what middle school teacher says stuff like that to kids? And a great one. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Now, she may have said that to a lot of the kids. I have no idea. But I know that stuck with me for literally about 30 years. And it wasn't until I put out my second book that I, I was able to find her after all mm-hmm. those decades and was able to send her a, a print copy of my second book. I didn't dedicate my first book to her because it was like a super <laughs> niche book that nobody read anyway. But my second one was more of a broad interest book on creativity. And it was really, really gratifying to do that because she had made such an impact on me as a mm-hmm. kid that I remembered it all those years, which I think just goes to show the power of a teacher. Mm. The power of somebody speaking into your life, something that you can become or something that you can aspire to. I think we really underestimate that a lot for some reason, but it's, it can be really, really a powerful thing. So much so that somebody can remember it for decades. Mm-hmm. And even if it takes them a few decades to, to kind of get their stuff together, they'll remember that. And you can make such a radical impact on somebody's life, sometimes just through one simple comment in the right context. Well, I am a true believer that our childhood experiences shape our adult decisions. Yeah. And whether totally. it's good or bad or indifferent, right? And that's exactly what's happened to you. So here she was. She may have put this a hundred times before and nobody ever wrote a book, but maybe yeah. you did it. And I love that because I myself, in my first book, I also thanked my English teachers as well. Oh, that's cool. Because it was my first book was a prompt journal where I gave you prompts on and journaling. And I hated journaling growing up. We had to, from middle school to high school, we had the same English teacher, small town America. And so I had developed this habit that he would have us write in our journals. And it was awful. Like it was like torture to me every (laughs) single day to do this. But then I got, became an adult and I reverted back to that for therapy. And I found the value in just writing. It didn't have to make sense. It didn't have to um, really like have a rhyme or reason or a storyline. It was just allowing my brain, I call it a brain dump, is allowing my brain to get it out of my brain and onto the paper. Hmm. And and I was working with a um, college professor. She was the dean of psychology at a local um, university. And she was teaching mindfulness and she was telling us about how our brain is wired to do actually that. When you um, brain dump, there is something that fires down your arm, into your hand, into the pen, onto the paper. And so if the issue that you're working with or challenge, whatever, whatever is going through your thought process Once you get it out onto the paper and journaling, like handwritten, not the typing or texting, right? right? Like literally the handwritten form, there is something so therapeutic about that. And I remember her- I totally agree. Yes. It's just an amazing gift. So I love that you have taken that and you've just amped it up to so much more because now you've become the teacher. And one of the things I know we didn't actually mention in your bio is that you became a professor too, right? I did. I did that job for 17 years. I was a college professor at a small Christian college in North St. Louis and actually just left that job a little less than a year ago. So it was, it was after the spring semester of 
2021 that I left that job. But yeah, did that for a long time. And to be honest with you, I, I love what I do with my writing community and podcasting and with ghostwriting. But there's still a lot of things I miss about being a professor. I, there's something fundamentally really, really important, I think, about going into a classroom with actual people and just talking and, and the interaction and the discussion and teaching concepts and seeing students, you know, come alive, sometimes waking them up because yeah. you've been boring or, or whatever the case <laughs> might be. I do really, really miss that aspect of it. I'll just be totally mm. honest. And I, I've been trying to figure out a way to kind of get that, replicate that back into my mm. life in some form or fashion. Something I'm actually exploring doing this fall is doing a writer's retreat which is kind of the same dynamics as a classroom. It's not, not really the same thing, but it's kind of the same thing. Just being, being there in person with some people and seeing lives transformed. I think that's really powerful. Well, sign me up. I'm so interested. <laughs> I, and I know several of our uh, listeners will probably too. I think that's such a great idea and what a great way to use your skills set, right? So take us back to Kent. We talked about middle school and uh, high school. Take us back to making that decision to go to college. Were you on the path to be a writer? Were you on the path to be something else? And then the path to become a professor, like how did all that thought process transpire? Well, I didn't have a lot of thought about it, to be honest with you, (laughs) in my decision to go to college or where to go to college. So my older brother, he's five years older than me. His name's Don. And we've always had a really, really close relationship. Well, I guess that's not true. We did fight a lot as kids. Because he was mean to me. I'm going to say that publicly on a podcast. No, he he wasn't really mean to me. I thought he was at the time, but of course, I'm sure, do, I'm sure right? I deserved it. <laughs> I'm sure I had a very smart mouth as a kid. I still do sometimes. It gets me in trouble. But I'm sure I deserved whatever punishment he was eking out on me at the time. But he decided to become a pastor and went to the same college where I taught, actually, in North St. Louis. And I just kind of followed in his footsteps five years later because I had always, as a kid, I had always felt a really strong calling to go into church ministry. Mm-hmm. I could never really articulate why I felt that calling other than a lot of people that I loved in my life. They kind of affirmed that calling. Mm-hmm. And I will forever be grateful to my little home church that I was a part of as a kid. They would let me preach you know, on Sunday nights, occasionally lead wow. worship, do music. So I really built up a lot of confidence and they really spoke into my life. And I, I never for one second considered anything else. Mm-hmm. So that's where I went to school too. Now, the funny thing is that at the time, the only sort of church ministry job that I knew of was as a preacher or a pastor, the guy who gives sermons and sort of runs the church. I didn't really want to do that, but that was the only avenue that I thought that I had to to be involved in full-time church work. So I went to school for that, although I wasn't very good at preaching. I didn't particularly enjoy it. I was really, really lucky because my senior year, so my wife and I had been in, really involved in music our whole college experience. And my senior year, we had an opportunity, actually it was right after our senior year, had an opportunity to move to a church in Northern Illinois where I was the music pastor for, I think it was like eight years. And my wife was the children's pastor. So I felt very fortunate that we kind of were able to make a pivot mm-hmm. and we could both work in areas that really we enjoyed doing. So did that for a while. And then I had the opportunity to go back to the same school to be a professor when I was 29 uh, which feels like a hundred years ago, but <laughs> just a couple, yeah. just a couple. But yeah, I did that for a long time and then uh, transitioned into freelance writing and ghostwriting just over the last few years. So that's kind of the, the short, short version. And what did you teach? 
So I started out teaching worship and music. So I did that for about 10 years. I ran our music program at our school. I also directed our chapel services, which was, was actually really, really time consuming because if you think of how much work goes into planning like a church service with music and scheduling and coordination and all that stuff, uh, then you like multiply that by several things a week, by several times a week. It was really a big part of the job, but I did that for about 10 years. I felt really burned out after doing that for a decade. And my school graciously allowed me to transition out of that role into teaching more things that I was really interested in, like in communications Mm. and public speaking, stuff like that. So around that same time is when I really started building my freelance business. So I felt very fortunate because the things that I was doing in my side hustle, I was also teaching to my students. Mm -hmm. The things that I was teaching in the classroom also informed what I was doing in my side business. I know that most people don't have that opportunity, Mm -hmm. but I I felt very fortunate to be able to do that. Mm. And I love that you were able to do that because I'm just going to say as myself, I was able to do that as well, being a, a hairstylist and mm-hmm. coaching, able to kind of practice on my my, yeah. my hair clients too, right? What, You're a captive what, audience. Right? I mean, where are they going to go? Exactly. Work on their hair. Exactly. Exactly. Especially when I have a shop for instruments or their head. Or they kind of <laughs> better listen. not leave. <laughs> they we'll listen. listen. Yeah. So briefly, I think in the the description of you, and I think you've said it a couple of times, the phrase ghostwriting. So for the audience who doesn't know or might be thinking like, I don't even know what that is. Does that mean you write scary novels? So can you explain what ghostwriting is? Sure. A ghostwriter basically is a writer in the background who comes along and helps people who either don't have the time or the interest or the ability to write their own books. And I do want to clarify, ghostwriting can take on a whole bunch of different forms. There, There is kind of a segment of the ghostwriting industry where basically you write something totally on your own and somebody else puts their name on it. That, that does happen a lot. That's more of a branding decision. Like I think it's pretty common knowledge that James Patterson does not actually write all the books that have his mm-hmm. name on. James wow. Patterson doesn't write 47 books a year. Gotcha. His name is on, is on those as a branding thing. Now, I'm sure he writes some of those you know, big novels and whatnot, maybe some of the other ones as well, but he doesn't actually write all those. That's why it often says, says James Patterson with, they don't have another author's name, like in tiny, teeny, tiny print mm. underneath it, because that's the guy who, the guy or the girl who actually wrote the book. And that's the way it works a lot in the ghostwriting world is you have a person who's kind of overseeing the process, or maybe they're doing the outlining. Then you have a ghostwriter. The way that I typically work is and again, it can work a variety of situations, but the general way that I approach mine is like, Shay, let's say you had a coaching or consulting business and you wanted to really focus on that and you didn't want to spend two or three years writing a book. Maybe it's your first book. Now, of course, I know you've written books before, so this is obviously a fictional scenario. Mm-hmm. You You had no idea where to start. The idea of writing a book felt very stressful to you. So I would come in and help pull those ideas out of your head. The content, the the outline of the book, perhaps what you wanted to accomplish with the book, how you wanted it to build up your business. I take all those things and I craft an outline and then we have some calls and I pull the content out of your head, stories, connections, whatever else may go in the book. I write the book. We go through revisions, editing, publishing, and so forth. And so generally, I'm there to put into words the things that you would say if you had the time or the ability to do it in a nutshell. Wow. So that sounds like a very time-consuming project. 
Yes, it yeah. is time consuming. I was going to say, because <laughs> you're not I'm, wrong about that. I'm picturing like how many interviews or sessions do you have to have before you're kind of getting all the gist of what needs to be said? Is it a set number or is it vary from project to project? It does vary from project to project. Generally, now again, I'm greatly generalizing here, but generally speaking, if we get on an hour phone call and I'm really prepared with my questions and I know exactly what content I need from you, generally that's going to generate around seven to 10,000 words of rough transcript. So basically I take the audio, then I run it through transcription software. I have 10,000 words of raw content. When I rewrite it and when I, when I boil it down, that's going to come out to three to 4,000 words of really, really solid content. That's a great first draft of a chapter. Mm-hmm. So really, let's say if a book has 12 to 15 chapters, we don't we don't really need any more than 10 or 15 calls. Okay. So those calls plus the client's time in reviewing the manuscript, making corrections, adding stories, that kind of stuff. It's not really a, a hugely time-consuming thing for the client. At least if I do my job right, it shouldn't be. Gotcha. Gotcha. So... If someone is in the position of, I think I want to write a book, but I don't really know what I want to write it about, mm-hmm. you would be a great resource for them. Absolutely. To kind of pull out the amazing stories that they have. I do. In fact, I've got a situation right now where I'm talking with, uh, with a prospective client, and this has happened with previous clients as well, where they know they, they want to write a book and they have maybe a few ideas, but they're not sure which one of those to pursue or how to go about it. So I actually don't start with the book ideas. I think that's the wrong place to start with the book project. What I start with is what are your goals? What are you trying mm. to achieve in your life or your business? What what are really what makes you happy? What do you want to see for your life or business in the next three to five years? Once once I have a clear idea of what they want and what they're trying to accomplish, then we can figure out what book is going to help you get more of that. So I don't look at a book as an end. As kind of a thing in and of itself, I look at a book as a bridge to do something else for you in your life, mm. whether it's get more clients or pass on a legacy to your grandkids or whatever the result might be. It's a business or a personal kind of a thing. My job is to figure that out and craft a book that's going to help you get more of that. Wow. Well, it sounds like you are a self-fulfilling prophecy. You did that for yourself too, right? I did. I did because I mean, a book is a fantastic marketing tool. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. I mean, you're an author. You you totally understand mm-hmm. this. There is There are a few feelings to me in the world that are better than sticking a print copy of my book in an envelope and mailing it to somebody. Yes. Or handing it to somebody, whether I'm giving it to them or whether they've bought it from me at an event or something. That's just an amazingly fulfilling thing. Because, I mean, basically, what is a book? A book is something that you have taken many dozens, sometimes hundreds of hours to craft in some cases, and you have condensed all that life experience and wisdom down into a digestible form that somebody can read through in in two or three hours, sometimes more, sometimes less. I mean, that is really, really potent. Mm -hmm. And anytime that you read a great book, essentially, you're getting a condensed version of somebody's of a chunk of somebody's life, sometimes somebody's whole life, if you're reading like a biography. Mm-hmm. So I can sit down and vicariously, I can live that person's life through that book mm. and and hopefully learn a lot that I can apply to my own life or my own business or whatever else. So this is why I, I believe in books so much because books are like the most condensed version of wisdom that you can get, whether mm-hmm. it's audiobooks or print book or ebook doesn't make any difference. 
but that's why I love books. I think they're immensely powerful. Well, I have to agree with you. That's why I have several myself. And I feel like we kind of hit the nail on the head earlier. You talked about leaving a legacy. That's what I see books really being is that over the span of centuries, we had books and then technology has advanced. We still have books. We might have different forms of books, but we still have paper books. And I just see that this is going to be ongoing continuously. And there's something about when you write a book and you can definitely um, attest to this is that when you write that manuscript, it's, it's like your baby. right? And then you like, okay, you have to hand it over to the publisher or self publisher or whatever you decide to go with. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm giving you my baby, but (laughs) it's also birthing literally something new possibilities for you, for the author. Yeah, totally. And it's funny that you mentioned the birthing metaphor because many times that's the exact image that I use with prospective ghostwriting clients. When when they when I try to help people understand what it is that I actually do, I think the the image that helps to get that across the best is I refer to myself as kind of like a literary midwife. I know I know mid mid is it called midwifery? Is that the way they pronounce it? Midwifery. <laughs> <I have> no <laughs> idea. <laughs> the the act of being a midwife anyway. Yeah. Helping to, to deliver a baby. That's really what I do is I'm there to basically take your baby, which is your ideas, your stories, your your wisdom. I'm there to take your baby and deliver it safely to the world, to clean it up or deliver it safely, clean it up, give it back to you so you can present it to the world. Then I'm I'm there to be a support system hmm. for that. And I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that. I know it's it's not everybody's cup of tea, but there there's a pleasure and a satisfaction that I get from writing a great book for somebody that I don't get from writing my own stuff. Mm. But I think vice versa too. There's a pleasure I get from my own stuff. I, I can't get from client work. So that's why I choose to do both of those things because I think they, they bring a satisfaction in different ways and they, they bring you different business results and so forth. So I choose to mix those two things. Mm, I love that. And speaking of uh, mixing it up. So I, I'm just thinking to myself, there's probably some listeners that are going, yeah, Kent, yeah, Shad's great. You wrote a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't even know where to start. What? I I mean, I kind of think I have a story. I've lived some life, but I don't really know what to do. What advice would you give them in order to be like the first steps of looking into writing a book or exploring that avenue? The first step, I think, is to sit down and think about what you want from a book. What could a book do for you? And again, I think it goes back to thinking about the vision and the goals of what you're trying to accomplish overall in your life. Because you can sit down and write a book about anything. It may not necessarily be a book that you enjoy or a book that sells any copies or or is successful, but anything is possible when it comes to the book world. You can write a book about anything, any link that you want. You can get any cover designed, kind of like the world is your oyster, but I would not start there. I would start with, what is it that you really want to accomplish in life? Do you want to try and switch careers? Do you want to become a better parent? Do you want to leave some advice for your kids? What is it that really excites you in life? And then sit down and just start brainstorming ideas about what, what kind of a book you might write. Would it be about a hobby? Would it be about your job? Would it be about would it be a fiction story, like a novel or a novella? Again, there's tons of possibilities, but just sit down and start brainstorming some of those ideas. 
And, and we can go into more of a process if you want to about how to, how to actually shape that into a book and so forth. But I think, um, I like things that are, that are straightforward and simple. And I think the most straightforward way to think about a book that you may want to write now here, I'm really talking about nonfiction is do a book. That's like 120 pages. It's long enough to be a full length book, but it's short enough where people can read it in a couple hours. It's, you know, 10 to 15 chapters. Each of those chapters is going to be maybe 2,000, 3,000 words long, something like that. A 25,000 word book or something along those lines. Shoot for something like that. That's a short book that you can do reasonably in a decent amount of time. And just kind of approach it like that. Then for future books, you can expand out and do things maybe that are more complex or whatever. But I always just like to put that out there as a basic template for a really great nonfiction book. Yeah, I'm just thinking of people who are have been told, oh, you should write a book. Because I know that happens a lot, right? Because people, people are storytellers by nature. That's who we are. That's innately in us. And so we'll tell a story about you know, an experience that we've had. And then somebody will go, oh, you should write a book. But then yep. all this fear shows up of like, no way could I write a book. It's so time consuming. That it's so overwhelming. Right. It's all the things that people get scared about. So is there any kind of group or website that you would recommend or even a mentor, maybe you, that you would recommend that would ha- help someone along the journey? Yeah. And uh, thanks. I appreciate you asking. So the first place that I would recommend people start is actually with my podcast, which is called The Daily Writer. So you can find that anywhere that anywhere that fine podcasts are available. That sounds like an infomercial, <laughs> but uh, you can find it on Spotify. Where else do people listen? Um, YouTube, all the, I, Apple Podcasts, Apple yeah. Podcasts, yeah, yeah. All, all the all the I places. Heart, yes, all the things. Yes. So yeah, just Google or or search up the Daily Writer with Kent Sanders, and that's it. Actually, a daily show. So many times on the weekends, I do interviews, but for the most part, I do short daily episodes, which are like two minutes long. And I do those really specifically. Well, first of all, because when you do a daily show, you, you have to do short episodes. Otherwise, <laughs> it's not. It's really hard to produce more than that. Right. But I like those little short ones because I want people to get in and out. And I want to give you one single little nugget every day. I don't want to give you 15 minutes. I want to give you two minutes and give you something to think about. So the podcast is a great place to start. But then if you want to go deeper, I have a writing membership community called the Daily Writer Community. And you can find that at dailywriterlife.com slash community, or just go to dailywriterlife.com. And what this community is all about is helping writers develop habits for success. I think one of the biggest problems that people who want to write are facing today is that we have way too many resources. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that sounds like the opposite of maybe what I would say. But if you get on Amazon or you or you get onto Google and you Google or you search for how to write a book, there's going to be about a million and 15 mm-hmm. blogs and books that pop up. The problem is not a lack of resources or of frameworks for how to write a good book. The problem is many times people are just lonely. And I know being a part of communities over the years, that has impacted my life in radical ways. And I don't necessarily think you need to read more books about writing. I think you need to be a part of a good group of people who can encourage you, who know your name, who are supporting you, who are cheering you on. And that's the, that's the kind of group that we have in the Daily Writer. 
I love that. Thank you for sharing your your podcast as as well. So your podcast gives you simple simple tips, really, to to be able to write daily. So Correct. in in your group in your community, do you have assignments that you give people to to write on a daily basis? I don't have assignments, but I do have daily prompts. So one of the products that I sell is just called daily writing prompts. People can buy it on the, on its own, but it's one of the things that people get for free when they join the community. And so simply it is just, you sign up for it over email and literally every day you get a different writing prompt. Like, okay, let me take three seconds here and I can tell you what today's prompt was Yeah. offhand. Um, let me go to my email here. Probably I'm not going to be able to find it now that I've said that. I'm going to feel all. <laughs> I'm going to feel all like a like a total uh, goober here, <laughs> and I can't find it in my email. But anyway, this is these are prompts that just help you to be creative with your writing. You can use them for journaling. You can use them for teaching if you're a teacher to get people to start discussing things. Mm-hmm. You can use them for blog posts. You can use them for discussing, uh, discussing things with people. So that's one of the things that I really love about this group is a lot of people have signed up for those and it just gives you a little spark. Of course, spark is something that you really, it, it's a metaphor that you use a lot as well. Mm-hmm. So it gives them just a little something to get them going with whatever it is that they're doing writing wise. So what I'm hearing is accountability. Yeah, from your your podcast, your group, and then your emails, you and your book, you literally have so much accountability that people have fe- will feel supported. Yeah, that that's the whole thing that I'm really trying to do with this. I, again, I don't I don't necessarily think the solution for most writers is to is to go listen to yet another writing podcast, or I'm going to take another course, or I'm going to read another writing craft book. I've gotten stuck in that hamster wheel. <laughs> for a long time. In fact, there were several years where I was working on one book and I was just stuck in this mode of, oh, I got to read one more book about it. I got to read one more book about it. And I, just, and I never finished it. It's the book. I set the book on the shelf and moved on to other stuff. Maybe I'll come back to it someday. But yeah, I think that accountability is really, really important. But I, but I think accountability in the right spirit is even more important. Mm. Not the accountability where you have people walking up to you and are like, hey, why didn't you write this? You really yeah. need to get your act together and you need to stop watching Netflix. And I don't think negative accountability works. I think people okay. run from that. So I look at this community as kind of like, do you remember the, the old TV show Cheers? Yeah, of course. So everybody used to watch Cheers back in the 80s. And even the theme song of Cheers was, it's a place where everybody knows your name. Mm-hmm. It's like that old thing of Norm walks in the front door and everybody goes, Norm. And I think of the, the places where I love to be as far as communities. One of the reasons that I love our Total Life Freedom group that both of us are a part of is that is that kind of place yes. where people know you and they celebrate you and they support you. And that's what I am have tried to build with the Daily Writer Group, a place where you come, you help on calls, you help on the writing sprints, you engage in the, in the Facebook group. And we're there to celebrate you and to challenge you a little bit, but in a loving way and to just help you accomplish the writing goals that are important to you. I love this and I love it because you're describing how accountability can be used to uh, entice fear. And so well, that's a lot of things that people don't talk about is how, depending on how you use accountability, you can either stop you 
because you're like, what? Uh-uh. You're not going to talk to me that way and then forget about it. Or you're going to be like, wow, this is so encouraging. And in a non-judgmental, non-critical Exactly. Way. Exactly. Yeah. Judgment doesn't work. Uh, I no. don't think it ever really works. It may get somebody to do something, but it doesn't really motivate them internally. And I think internal motivation works far better than external motivation or external fear or judgment. So yeah, it's very much a positive vibe in the group, which I love. Of course. Who wouldn't love that? I love, this is awesome. So we just have a few more questions before we wrap up. Sure. So we've talked about all of the books that you've written and the the podcast and the emails and the, all the things you're doing so many amazing things. So what do you, Kent Sanders want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? What I want to be remembered for is to be an encourager is I want to be remembered as somebody who who, <clears throat> who gave people a little spark, who helped them to see that they can do something that's hard, who helped them to overcome challenges, and who was just a positive force in their life. And I, I think if I can leave this world having done that for, for a handful of people, I feel like that's that life is kind of worth it, you know? I completely agree. And you're living that right now. You're living that legacy. So thank well, thanks. you. Thanks. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for doing so. And where can tell your websites again and social medias, where can people connect with you? They can connect with me at kentsanders.net. A better place if you're really interested in the daily writer side of things is dailywriterlife.com. And you can also find the podcast. Just search the daily writer with Kent Sanders and you can find that pretty much anywhere. And to sign up for the email prompt, where would that be? Uh, You would go to... That's a good question. Where would you go to do that? Where do I have a link? It is uh, dailywriterlife.com slash writing prompts. I better check that really quick. Sure. That's a good question. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking yes. what a, what a yeah, that is fun what thing that we can get our audience on the practice of writing, right? Because yeah. I think there's something so profound, again, about journaling, writing, sharing our stories. <clears throat> Yeah, totally. And for me, it is not really about writing. I mean, writing has its own value. It it absolutely does, whether it's books or blogs or whatever it is. But I also love what writing does in you as a person. Whenever you write, you're you're conquering fear. Yes. Particularly if you put a book out there in the world, that's a huge (laughs) accomplishment. And I know what a book can do for somebody's confidence and their emotional health and all those kinds of things. So there's value in the act of writing for what it does for you and your life. So that's why I'm such a big proponent of it. Well, and I love how you took your love of writing from a young age. You built, started as a side gig as you were a professor, and now you're living out your dream of really helping others write. And and you're building, you're leaving a legacy in that world as well. Thank you. And I appreciate that. I appreciate your positivity, Shay. And uh, the way that you're such a huge encourager to people and you just, you just have a way of, of bringing out the best in people mm. and in, in wanting, I think wanting people to aspire to something greater in their life and continue all the good things that they're doing. So that is a true gift. So mm. if you could somehow bottle that up and sell it, <laughs> that would be more valuable than gold. Well, thank you. That brings um, tears to eyes. So thank you. I appreciate that. And I thank you so much for being here. This has been such a joy. Such You've dropped so many gems. So I know that, yeah, this has just been great. So thank you for being here. Thank you. It's been totally my pleasure and my honor to be on your show. 
And I always like to leave with this last question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I would say the thing that I have written more than anything else in the last probably five years is unlock your creative potential. Mm. And I, I say that phrase, I probably stole that from somebody somewhere, but I don't remember who. But oftentimes what I do is when, whenever I send a handwritten card to somebody, in fact, I've got a stack I've got to send out today um, to some referral partners. So I just use a little card. And years ago, I started buying skeleton keys in bulk from Amazon. Mm. You can get them at the hardware store, but they're way cheaper if you just get them on Amazon. These little skeleton keys. And many times what I do is I'll just send a thank you card to somebody or a card of encouragement. And at the top, I'll tape one of those little keys. Mm. And then beside it, I'll say something like, here's a little reminder of, of how you can use your gift to help people unlock their potential or unlock their creative potential. Mm. And I will change the phrasing of it depending on the context. What's really interesting is that people will sometimes share with me years later, how they have kept that key (laughs) either on their key ring or on their desk or, or somewhere around their computer and how they remembered that. And it really surprises me mm-hmm. because you, would, you wouldn't think some little trinket would make such a big impact on people, but it really does. So well, it's the message and the inspiration that you're leaving behind with it. So that's the, yeah. that's the, the beautiful part about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. The only thing I would caution people about if you ever are going to use little skeleton keys is when you put those in a card, make sure they're vertical and not horizontal. <laughs> Because when they go through the mail sorter, it bends the mail as it goes through those. And if you have it horizontally, that metal key will mangle that card. And and you'll get it back in the mail. Like, oh, this is returned to sender and the cards like all mangled and stuff. So yeah, (laughs) lesson learned, I guess, from the post office. Oh, that's too funny. Well, thank you so much, Kent, for being here. This has been just such a joy. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People. And if you unlocked your own creative potential by what something Ken had said, because I'm I'm sure you did, you probably may even took taken some notes. Please feel free to share this episode with a friend or go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And until next time, let's get fired up. This podcast is a proud partner of the Heroes Media Group, Lima Charlie Network, and Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Sponsored by Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business, and Quest Education. What if you could use the money inside your retirement account, penalty and tax-free, and use that money to start your own dream business? Our friend Daniel Blue from Season 5, Episode 5 over at Quest Education is so kind to give you, our listeners, their How to Grow Your Money Tax-Free online course completely complimentary just for listening to today's show. We invite you to find out more about their generous opportunity at the link in the show notes. So just imagine the business you could start with your freed up money.